and welcome to Backing Paper, episode number 73 on a bright and sunny morning. I know, weird, right? <laughs> it's because we had issues last night, but that's all good because the morning's good because we just had, well, I just had bagels with peanut butter. It doesn't get better than that. Uh, Rach, what have you had for breakfast? I had crunch nut cornflakes, actually. That was <sighs> really nice. And a cup of Earl Grey and decaf. And it's really cloudy here. Not sunny for me, but never mind. We'll bring the sun ourselves. Oh, it's blue skies, nothing but blue <laughs> skies here. It's lovely, yeah. Um, and um, crunchy nut peanut butter, crunchy crunchy nut cornflakes. They're pretty good. That's a breakfast of champions, yeah. that You've is. You've got peanut you got peanut butter on the brain. <laughs> I, I, I've got peanut butter literally in the beard, that's for sure. So that's probably why during the pauses today, I'll just be slowly nomming on that, I think. Um, oh, well, thank goodness it's a, an audio podcast then. Exactly. Another beautiful week, though, as it's been lovely here. That's good. Yes, there's been there has been some sunshine here, but it's been interspersed with quite a lot of thick clouds. So um, when I see the sun come out, I'm like, right, quick, dash outside. Um, get some stuff made, um, and then and then try and bring it back in again um, quickly. God, the north, <laughs> the north. <laughs> as people have said, and we'll say in the future, scrim up north. <laughs> it's, just been, it's been glorious down here. Um, we have got another fantastic selection of emails to get through. Um, so, should we dive straight into it, Rach? Since it's the morning one. Sounds sounds good. Yes, lovely. Okay. So we're going to start. Yeah, we'll start with one from uh, Justin Cornell, yeah. who has got in touch about um, lockdown activities. Says celebrating the International Day of Light with Anthotypes Kitchen Photography. So Saturday, the sixteenth of May. So that was just gone. This this Saturday just gone. Um, it was the UNESCO uh, International Day of Light, and all through May, we are inviting you to experiment with plants and kitchen ingredients, extracting the juices to coat onto paper and expose in sunlight to create beautiful anthotype images. We are trying out ingredients such as beetroot, turmeric, spinach, strawberry, sage, brassicas, dandelion flowers, and more. Alcohol or salt can be used in small quantities to help extract plant juices and diluted borax used as an intensifier to in increase the contrast of the exposed image. We're making videos of the processes and the finished images and updating the page as we go through the month. We invite you to have a go, post your results on Facebook or send via email. And you can find the um, website for that at realphotographycompany.co.uk forward slash lockdown hyphen projects. There we go. You've been mucking around with this um, anthotype stuff this week with your Patreon, haven't you, Rach? I have, absolutely. So um, it's uh, one of the things that I was planning to start with anyway was looking at lensless photography um, because in terms of the workshops that I do in real life as well as uh, online, it's a good place to start, I think, just basically making images um, using the power of, of UV light and uh, uh, and some sort of chemical reaction. Uh, it's just a magical thing to do. So, um, so yeah, so with my Patreon that I started, um, I'm basically going to be doing some videos uh, that will be covering this as well. So for my Analog Academy 35mm uh, tier and above, um, I'll be releasing some of these um, uh, videos uh, as as actual sort of like tutorial videos but I'm also adding a load of sort of behind the scenes stuff as I'm experimenting and trying things out and what have you and it just so happened that uh, that we then also got this email so uh, it's quite funny I've seen quite a lot of anthotype stuff um, popping up on my 
social media recently so you know great minds and all that i yeah, guess <laughs> perfect time perfect time i'm really um quite fascinated by all this i as i mentioned to you yesterday i <laughs> glance because i don't tend to check the emails until until we're doing the show nobody will be surprised by this but i saw the, the topic line saying oh spinach based such and such i thought oh i wonder if that's about anthotypes and then that <laughs> thought process led me to oh, I think I'm going to have a go at doing anthotype. Um, and I didn't have any spinach. I thought, well, I'll just get some grass from the garden. That that will probably work. And and I, I've never looked up how to do anthotype. So here is, the, here is the process that I went through. So I pulled up some grass from the garden. I cut it into little bits. Added some vinegar because I thought, well, vinegar is generally good with anything. Mushed it, um, left out in the sun to sweat for a bit. And uh, then tried rubbing that into some paper. It didn't go very well because the paper wasn't good. And then put that out to try and make a contact print from it. Um, and I know <laughs> it sounds really Heath Robinson, but guess how it went, Rach? How did it go? It Graham? went terribly, Rach. It was a complete disaster. <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> it was absolutely not a failure on the grounds that none of it was good. Um, but did you have fun and smell nicely of grass afterwards? I, I had fun and smelled very much of vinegar afterwards. Vinegar. <laughs> Well, there you go. Um, I mean, what, what could you want? Though? Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, you've shown me some of the pictures th- that you've made, um, and they look awesome. Because the one oh, you did with um, spinach, and what was the, yes. um, the spice one you used? Was it turmeric? Oh, it was. Uh, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it wasn't turmeric. It was um, paprika. Paprika. They look yes. so cool. So cool. So, um, yeah, I have videos of how to do it properly sound quite a good thing, actually. <laughs> they sound. Yeah. Uh, and this experimental for- stuff is fun. Mm. Well, exactly. And, you know, it's it was all kind of like part of my idea, like I say, looking at Lensless anyway, and then thinking, well, we're in lockdown, what can you kind of get access to, even if you can't get access to any chemistry, you know, at the moment, or what have you, then you've got a kitchen, right? So, you know, there are still things you can do with things in the kitchen. So it was just, it was funny how like these things always seem to pop up at a similar kind of time, don't they? You know, when you're sort of like thinking about something. So I, I did a little um, time-lapse video of me making up the juice for um, strawberry prints and mm-hmm. what have you. And um, and so I posted that on my on my Patreon and um, I was like, look, we could do this. And then uh, it rained. So they <laughs> all went, so the first batch all got completely wet and washed away. And the second batch, um, Marcy hit the table and they all came crashing down. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so far, no strawberry prints. But, um, but I, I, um, in the mid, in the meantime, I, uh, I was like, right, well, I'm going to make some with, um, like I say, some paprika and some uh, spinach instead and, uh, and some beetroot and stuff. So, uh, so I've got half are still outside exposing at the moment. And the other half ones that I obviously showed you some some little stills of. So uh, I'm going to be making a, a proper how-to tutorial on how to create those um, for probably the first um, video for the library that I'll put up. And that'll be in June. So, yeah. Yeah. Stuff. yeah, it's a really fun thing for people to get involved with. And as, as it says in Just Doing, it's the International Day of Light, apparently on Saturday. Missed yes. that. Although I did notice that it was light outside. So that's nice. Um yes. That's good. And uh, you have been very busy. I've been doing a few bits and pieces, yeah. But Well, I think very busy mm-hmm. is definitely pushing it a bit, but I've been mucking around with stuff. But we'll talk about that on the, the, the main podcast. But yeah, okay. I've been keeping occupied this week <laughs> when not playing video games. We're yes. not doing the important work of playing video <laughs> games. Um, am I right in saying, Rach, that um, anthotypes mm. are fairly transient pieces of art? They don't last very long, yes. do they? Not In general, not really, no. I'm sure that there are some ways of, you know, fixing them for longer and things but but in general in general yes it's kind of like you make it 
you you go ooh, you get that exciting magic woo mm-hmm. um, feeling if it if it works and if it's not grass and vinegar and stuff. <laughs> um, and uh, and then after that, you kind of like just enjoy it as that piece of art that will eventually fade away, yeah. disappear and stuff. Um, I mean, you can obviously keep them in, you know, dark places and just kind of like open them up and look at it and go, yeah. oh, that's nice. And then close the book back up sort of thing. Um, in which case, obviously, they would they would last much longer. Um, but yes, the idea is obviously that the UV light will be doing its work. So mm-hmm. if they're just out on display, they will eventually fade away. Yep. Cool beans, cool beans. Okay. It's part of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's nice. It's, you know, transient art. It's a bit more special, isn't it? Because it's not just yeah. a fixed thing forever. Um, okay, this next email is from the fabulous J.M. Golding, who writes in with well wishes and some info on the Roly RPX25, which we talked about last week. Um, mm-hmm. Hi, Sonnies. First and most important, I'm writing to send well wishes to Sinead and Graham. I hope, hope you're both feeling all better very soon. We are, thank you. We're feeling much better. <laughs> and that, that guinea pig gets off your chest, Graham. It did. <laughs> I double checked actually, didn't I? I was like, is it a guinea pig or has it got any smaller? And you were like, oh, it's about a mouse. Now, so <laughs> that's good. Mouse. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm encouraged to hear you're broadcasting <laughs> on today's Sunny 16. Yep, you can't stop me. No, no problems will stop <laughs> We've me. Tried. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. It will not stop me. <laughs> Also, if I recall correctly, a listener called Charles, that's right, Charles Kirschenblatt, um, asked if anybody had used Rolly RPX25 with Rodnell. RPX25 is one of my favourite films for pinhole photography, not least because it's slow enough to make long exposures. And I don't get as many metre readings of, say, one fifteenth of a second, which I'm not sure I'm fast enough to do with the cable <laughs> release. Uh, here are a few of my favourite images, so I don't know if you can find that email, right, so you can see these two, that I've made on this film and developed in Rodnell at 1 to 50. Um, so these are, unsurprisingly, as is so often the case from um, J.M. Golding, absolutely lovely pictures. I'm going to bring them up now as well. Uh, I'm going to have a quick so, look, sorry. Um, so I'm assuming that these are probably all pinhole shots. Um, some nice double which I love. Uh, oh, wow, that sunbeam onto the... Onto the sea with the rock and stuff. Whoa, that's amazing. How beautiful is that? Yeah. It's anybody God. who's seen James Golding's work will have a really good idea of the style of these. Um, the, the landscape shots, they're really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of coastline shots here. Um, just lovely, dark, moody, uh, very atmospheric mm. um, shots. I think that's did, always. The... Um, uh, did I miss? Did she say which camera? she was using for these uh no but my guess it looks like the holger it does look like the holger yes to me yeah. yeah and 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 i was like i don't know whether i'm thinking that just because i know that that's what we think of when we think of jm golding and her work um because she does such beautiful work with that but it, with the square format and what have you I, I was just thinking oh it looks like it might have been um because you can get a a pinhole for holger can't you option as well yeah I yeah. don't because I don't have a Holger, so I don't. So I don't know if it's is it a separate lens or is it is there a particular kind of like cap that you can fit on top? How how does it work for the Holger? Mm. Do you know? Brent? I, Do you have I don't. There are there are pinhole specific Holgers. There are Holgers okay. that are just pinholger cameras. Oh. Um, a pinholger. That's a so pinholger. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, some of these definitely look as they were taken with pinhole cameras. So I'm sure they are. Whether they all were, I'm not sure. But they have that slight... It's difficult to tell because the pictures are not huge. They're not big, fast. So we can't mm-hmm. see. Um, and 
as is the case with <laughs> pinhole and smaller size, they just look fabulous because you can't even see any of the blur, but um, beautiful stuff, really beautiful stuff. Um, she says, I know it's audio. I guess I don't have a lot to say about them, except mm -hmm. I like this film a lot, both of the ways I've developed it. So yeah, so that's um, Rodnell in uh, sorry RPX twenty five in Rodnell at one to fifty. Really lovely pictures. Um, take care from JM. Uh, thank you very much. Lovely to hear from you, JM, and um, lovely to see the pictures as well. Yeah, and you, um, there's a website there actually, which is jmgolding.com. So uh, yes, go and check out her work there. I'm sure. Yeah, that's the place to go and see JM's work because she's not on Instagram or Twitter. So mm. go and check out that. Do you want to say this next one, Rachel from Richard Hall? Yes, lovely. Ah, oh, lovely Richard. Okay, he's written and say, Dear Sunbeams, first thanks for the tip you gave me following my last email about using bottled water for a final wash. I'd already used bottled water to make up the chemicals, not because I knew what I was doing, but because when it came to mixing the chemicals, I realised I wouldn't have any bottles to put them in. Smart. Buying bottled water from the supermarket was the quickest way I could think of to get one litre bottles. <laughs> Excellent. Um, You'll probably just want to make sure they're in the dark afterwards, though. That's it. That's the only thing, because um, bottled water obviously tends to be in a, a clear bottle, doesn't it? Um, so for anybody who hasn't yet done this, um, usually the bottles that you put your chemicals in once they're mixed up would be a, like a dark bottle, either dark brown or a black one or what have you, or just keep them in the dark, basically, mm. um, so they don't go off. Anyway, um, it says, um, I'm happy to say that my negs are now drying mark-free. Look at us, giving good advice for a change, Graham. <laughs> One day I'll listen to it. Yeah. Um, yes, you could. You would do well to take your own advice there, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, he says, I've since discovered that the supermarket has 2.5 litre containers of deionized water for £1.50, and that seems to work just as well as the drinkable stuff. Happy days. That's great. So two options. Um, he says, I was interested in the conversation about self-confidence. I know there are a few folk out there who are always sure of themselves, whatever they do. They're mostly kids in my experience. <laughs> this is sure saying this, by the way. Um, but let's not judge. But most of us need some sort of affirmation or encouragement from others, especially when we're starting out on something new. So a while, so sorry. So a well-timed wor word of encouragement can be really powerful, sometimes even life-changing. When it comes to social media, I've learned to be cautious, and not just because it can be a bit of a jungle. Most of my friends are kind people and few of them have any interest in photography. So if I ask them for an opinion, I might get my ego stroked, but I wouldn't expect to learn anything that will help me improve. On the other hand, some random stranger telling me that my photo is a pile of... <laughs> How would I pronounce that? Fetid. Okay, thank you. Uh, dingo kidneys doesn't help much either. So mostly I don't ask. Similarly, counting likes on Instagram or wherever is a fool's errand for me. But I do get a little kick if I get a like from someone whose opinion I respect. Five likes from the right people is worth 500 from people I don't know. Not that I've ever had anywhere near 500 likes on anything I've ever posted. At some point, though, you do have to learn that if you uh, if you're, you're doing photography for pleasure, what it gives, uh, what <laughs> what value it gives is how it makes you feel. If it's making you happy, you're doing it right, whatever anyone else thinks. And you're right that sometimes you just have to take the plunge and put yourself out there. I made a zine about a month or two ago and I'm really pleased with it. I'm sure there are ways it could have been improved, but I got real pride from opening the box when it came from Mixum and thinking, I did this. 
Unfortunately, Pride doesn't cover the cost of printing and it turns out there's more to selling than opening an Etsy store. So with my heart in my mouth, I went into a local shop and asked the owner if she'd be interested in having a few copies. She bought 20 there and then. What? That's amazing. Um, that wasn't what in surprise. That was like, that's amazing. Sorry, Richard. Um, unfortunately, this, this was just before lockdown. So I imagine they're still sitting on a shelf, but the point stands. It is worth, it's worth risking rejection if you really want your work to be seen by others. Incidentally, you can still get my zine on Etsy, a bargain at £5, including PMP. Um, I imagine there'll probably be, probably be a little bit of a delay at the moment, obviously, as um, we're all experiencing with, with post and what have you. They're working as hard as they can, but obviously <clears throat> there's, uh, there's a lot happening with that at the moment. Um, so, yeah, you can get that on Etsy. And we've got the link here, which will pop into the show notes. Um, but if you Google on Etsy for every bus stop has its own coffee shop, I'm sure it will probably come up. <laughs> um, he says, I suppose what this comes down to, whether in photography or anything else, is that being kind to yourself and others is generally the best bet. Sorry if that sounds a bit preachy. Um, don't worry, sure. Uh, don't worry. I um, I did a whole uh, hashtag around that. <laughs> um, it says, I'm planning to have a go at some cyanotype contact prints this week. I've got some acetate sheets to print some uh, from negatives and taken delivery of the chemicals. So all that remains is to get on with it. I'd be ha uh, glad of any handy hints if you've got any to spare. I think I've gone on long enough for now, except to say thanks again for a great show. Claire Marie Bailey is a real asset to the team. Wishing you good light, even in these sometimes dark days from Richard. Thank you so much, Richard. That's awesome. What a lovely email. Yeah, it is a lovely email. And I really love what the, the point Richard made of, of he made these zines and he took the step of going out and saying, would you be interested in, <laughs> in showing these? And so we went, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, um, the... A lot of Richard's work, he, he takes a lot of pictures of his local area. And this zine is um, pictures, lovely pictures around Shrewsbury, where he lives. Um, and of course, that's going to be of interest to people in the local area. You know, people love yeah. that stuff. And yeah. so, I can um, see rustling around in the background. Were you finding the, the zine out? No, yeah. no, I, I, I was doing this stuff, but no, I, went, I actually went to his Etsy shop to, um, to have a look. I'm not sure i don't think i've seen that I, I could be wrong i've got a head like a sieve apologies Richard. um but i've seen but i have seen lots of richard has sent me his work in the past and i've seen it does mm. tend to be stuff and um it, it has yeah. a real um has a real You're right. it's, it's the right market isn't it for mm. for that area right if it's if it's images of <laughs> of that particular town of that particular place then people who are visiting that town and place often really like having that there you know it's it's the same with, you know, um, art across the board, I think, you know, like th there's, a, there's a reason why print, prints of a particular place get get bought <laughs> from the tourist shops as well, right? Yeah. So, um, I think that seems like a lovely idea. And, and how nice is that, that it's in a little zine and you can just take it away and it'd be its own little, own little pocketbook of Shrewsbury, is it, where he yeah. is? Yeah, yeah. Based, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's a lovely town. It certainly is, yeah. Yeah, Bruce has sent me some of his postcards in the past, and yeah, his, his work's lovely. And oh, and obviously, his, um, his Psalm twenty three, um, his little his little sort of booklet of um, meditative pictures. Because um, <laughs> I love the fact that Richard, I'm not trying to preach. Uh, he, he, <laughs> although he is a preacher by trade, so um, <laughs> you're allowed to. It's your job. You're yes. allowed to. Um, no, that's fabulous. Um, uh, and printing on acetate, Rach. Um, mm. I've never tried this. Uh, mm. Any advice, people who want to do some contact prints when they're making the negatives, f to do that? 
yeah, well, actually, you took delivery of something that that was oh, um, yes. from. I haven't, we haven't <laughs> talked about that. So, the, God, it's thank good. you for reminding me, Rachel. That's all right. Uh, so I'm going to say, so it, as everybody should know, it was my birthday last week. It was your birthday. <laughs> thank you very much for all the well wishes. Um, <laughs> and Rachel said, what would you like? And now... A pro tip, if ever an artist you like asks you what you want for your birthday, you go, art, please, please make me art. Um, and Rachel made me this beautiful <laughs> triptych of um, cyanotypes, and they are um, these super detailed old 1840s, 50s. was it, Rachel? 1850s. 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 Mm-hmm. 1850s um, maps of oxford and they're just beautiful they're lovely cyanotypes pro- proper blueprints um and they're just lovely so thank you very much for that um so yeah tell tell us how you came about those because that ties in with this perfectly you're you're super welcome i've um uh, again i've done a little behind the scenes so now that you have it i couldn't post the video for this before because <laughs> um i was like ah i didn't want you to see it before you got your birthday present obviously but i've done some little bits of um filming just behind the scenes of how i sort of like put that together so that'll be on my patreon as well and um it's basically i've i found um the i looked at quite a lot of different kind of maps to be able to use and obviously i wanted something that was open source and and what have you as well but it was more about making sure the right details there so the my biggest um tip i suppose would be to just to print it out onto normal paper first and just have a look and see whether the detail is going to be the right kind of detail for it translating onto acetate before you're wasting sheets of acetate. The other thing to remember is that, um, uh, which is something that I hadn't realised before, uh, but some acetate has a UV coating on it, mm-hmm. which means that it prevents UV light from going through, and that is literally what you want to be happening. You want the opposite of that to be happening, sorry. You want UV light to be going through it. So just make sure that when you're buying the acetate that you ha- you get one without a UV coating on it. Um, and I... Uh, Aside from that, I'd say it's trial and error. It's try try out a few little pieces. Sometimes things that you think will translate quite well, they don't always. It also depends on what the final piece um, is going to be, what you're after, what the sort of like feeling is, like whether you want lots of tones from it or whether it's something quite contrast, contrasty, technical term, <laughs> you know. Um, and something like the maps, obviously, that I did for yourself, it's, it's very... Um, simple in that it's it's black and it's white yeah so mm. it gives you um the opportunity to to see more detail without it kind of getting lost in the exposure um so uh, so yeah it was it was just sort of like testing various things out and um uh, and basically finding at the correct kind of acetate to be able to make that print and then uh, and then yeah and then make them really and just see if it worked um I thought when I looked at them as I printed out on my test pieces of like just normal paper, I was like, yeah, there's enough detail in here that this is it should translate really well. Um, as long as I do it as a as a proper full on con- um, contact print um, with some weighted glass over the top rather than just sort of leaving it on yeah. top because acetate can obviously bend and bow and stuff. And if it's not in complete contact with the um cyanotype paper you you're going to lose that detail it's going to end up blurry yeah you know? so 
yeah, yeah. and that's the thing like those would be my tips yeah because when I like, first looked at the pictures you go oh these are fun maps and then as you look closer and closer you can just see the tiny writing like saying where everything is and it's like oh god you, it's it's a good time just spending there looking at it figuring your way around Oxford <laughs> thinking, oh there's that college and there's that college um, yeah they're lovely thank you again so much for those race that was You're a really delight to get. I, I didn't know what I would get when I asked you for that but I'm really pleased with what I got <laughs> So, and Sinead loves them as well and I can post up the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff now. Can and I, I, so and you can do that as well. Exactly. Exactly. Great. Okay, this next email is from the fabulous Damien DeMeo, who writes in to say, Hello, my sunshines. Writing in to tell you, <laughs> though you already know, that I got my darkroom all set and have been making prints for the first time since high school. <gasps> and Yay! this time it's solo, without the art-slash-photography teacher looming over my head, which is at the same time both nerve-wracking and incredibly freeing. I must admit that it was a bit stressful at first with all the unknowns. Not so much printing unknowns, that actually came back quite naturally after the first few test strips, but more stress over equipment and supplies questions while I was trying to source everything needed for it, while sticking to my leftover camera liquidation budget. There were so many used enlargers, <laughs> tray sizes, lenses, did I need a grain focuster? Do I need a timer? How about filters? Chemical selection, <laughs> should I get the biggest tracer I can afford? <laughs> Honestly, um, got someone who hadn't seen an enlarger for longer than I care to admit, uh, sorry, to someone who hadn't seen an enlarger for longer than I care to admit, it was mind boggling. But with a few carefully placed questions spread out between several people as not to give anyone a full-time project, I slowly <laughs> pieced it all together. First, an old 1940s federal suitcase enlarger, because I remember hearing something on Sunny 16 about Rachel having something <laughs> like this. I could be mistaken. Is that similar to yours, Rach? Yeah, I've got three, because, um, you know, why not, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, because obviously when I run workshops, it's nice to have that have that option. And, uh, and I, can't, I couldn't turn them down. They're just so cool. It's like, there's an enlarger in a suitcase. I mean... If if I could make that now, I'd be like hell yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've I've always loved using those. They're brilliant little things to be able to take around. Um, so when you're out and about and delivering workshops or you know wanting to make prints on the hoof, um, then you've got something cool like that that you can use. Um, so yes, I don't think mine's a federal. To be honest, mine's well. Um, one of them it's written in I think Latvian. So I, I can't tell what it says, unfortunately. Um, and the other the other two um, didn't have like an actual name on them. So I don't think it's federal one, but it will have been from a very similar period of time. I'm pretty sure it's like 1940s. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's in a suitcase. So I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that. I didn't realise that Damien had got one of those and that's ace. Yeah. Uh, the lens that came with it is it stamped is Ooh. it a stamped tin two element one possibly plastic uh, <laughs> with an oddball 24 millimeter thread mount enough to produce some kind of image but nothing I could really grow with so I sourced a secondhand perfectly functioning scratch and dent I love that description 80 That's millimeter great. Schneider to replace it and got to work fabricating an adjustable plate M39 mount for it to fine tune my focus across the image that's good good DIYing going on here blimey yeah next was <laughs> the tray set 
I went with 5x7 paper, so I picked up trays that matched that size to minimize the use of chemicals and extend the time I could keep the unused stuff in the concentrated form. That's a very good idea. It's really tempting yes. with trays mm. to go, well, get the biggest ones you can because then you can do all the different paper sizes. But mm. if you have great big trays and you're only doing 4x5 or 5x7, you're yeah. wasting a lot of chemicals doing yeah. that. And especially if you've got a, um, a suitcase enlarger, there's only so high they go. Obviously, the, the whole point is that they're very compact. Yeah. So they won't be able to produce big prints anyway. You know, um, you might, you'd probably be able to get, I don't know, like seven by nine or something, you know, eight by 10 maybe, mm -hmm. but not necessarily. You know, some of them, you know, five by sevens, your you lot, <laughs> um, depending on how tall they are and what have you. So I think that seems like a really sensible option. You could you could go with like the tray size that is the same size as the paper or one that's slightly bigger so that you can get your tongs under it easier, you know, so mm. you can actually, you've got a little bit of wiggle room to kind of like fish out. Um, but yeah, it around that size, like you say, rather than having like the biggest trays possible, you know, you could build up to that if, yeah. you, if you find that you suddenly, you know, you've got your full on, um, you know, sort of like desktop enlarger, if you like, that's, you know, or sort of like freestanding or something that you're making prints the size of three metres wide yeah. <laughs> or whatever off the wall. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, and also it's one of those things where if push comes to the shovel, you suddenly find yourself wanting to make bigger prints, but you can yeah. always get creative with what you're using. Uh, I point as always to the paddling danger pool? boys and yes, a yeah. paddling pool. So, you know, it doesn't have to be proper. You, know, you can, no. um, you can find ways around things. Yeah. Um, so many safe lights available. I went with a little mini 11 watt red bulb and screwed it into one of those hanging cage work lights I normally use for working under the car. Yeah, and, great. Yeah. And so it went until I had a darkroom kit that I could both travel with and grow with. From the time I mixed the chemicals, it was pure heaven, which coincidentally looks just like cartoon hell with all the red light, machinery and smells <laughs> going on. But when I made that first print and it magically bleeping appeared right before my eyes, oh yes, <laughs> now I remember. I wanted to um, wholeheartedly thank both of my backing paper friends for their personal tales of dark rooms and printing, which made it a lot less stressful and able to piece things together and gave me back the confidence and motivation to get my printing started again. Not to mention help with technical questions and paper advice and stuff that Rachel has helped me along with. You are both very responsible for this adventure I am now on. <laughs> um, oh, uh, we couldn't be happier to be responsible for that kind of adventure, I think, right? Exactly. I'm speaking for both of us, it's but great. it's the best feeling, isn't it? It's so, so lovely. And I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to hear how enthusiastic um, you are about it, Damien. And, um, and yet yeah, again, you know, you've been a very um uh enthusiastic supporter of by your patron as well because i know that you he's like right let's go let's do this <laughs> <laughs> um which is which is awesome so i'm really really pleased to hear um how you've been getting on with that and uh and yeah sounds sounds brilliant looking forward to seeing what you come up with well actually rach he sent some mm. i don't know you can find this email in there this is now you can see the emails it makes it some, some pictures of the darkroom print so we can actually see some pictures ah! Of Damien, who's at Rollerplants on Instagram, in case anybody has forgotten. Mm -hmm. And his darkroom looks a lot more organised than mine does. <laughs> My darkroom is absolute chaos. Um, but, uh, you know, nice small space. He's got all set up very neatly there. He's got tongs for every tray. That's so organised. Um, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I do have two sets of tongs, though. Why, from having Why John, am I not surprised? From having John down, I have learnt that you don't want to have the same tong going from the fixer then back no. into the developer. No, you don't. I don't do that anymore. Did, did you... 
so you just didn't never listen to me fine you have to wait until you hear it from john uh, well, <laughs> before I, you believe me <laughs> i i'm sure i don't i think that was like before i'd had a chance to muck around with darkroom stuff from you i think that's what it was uh-huh. <laughs> Excuse I, remember I spent an awful lot of time being nagged at by john in the darkroom on that one day we spent yes. hours and hours in, in there in the hours really eventually yeah. it penetrates even my thick skull um oh i love these yeah. these look great aren't they lovely and and uh, especially that like square format on the paper and stuff. Oh, it's they're, fab. they're lovely pictures. And also, um, Damien's pictures are great. I really love Damien's yeah. work. Uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, very he's talented. A, interesting photographer taking pictures of cool yeah. old stuff um, in a nice yeah. way. It's it's funny. I old beaten up stuff is just is fundamentally interesting. Um, yeah. And but capturing it is so important. So I'm looking at these pictures. There's um, pictures of old cars. I'm, like, I'm sure if you go to at Roll the Pants on Instagram, you'll see some of this stuff. Um, but they're really lovely pictures. Sinead was showing me, uh, I think it was an article online she's seen, because she quite likes this um, style of stuff. And years ago, I bought her this f- photography book, um, which was uh, pictures of abandoned planes um, like mm. all of, I can't remember the artist's name, um, but it was, we'd seen his work in a, an exhibition around Oxford, and I got the book for her birthday. And she showed me this article online she'd seen because she'd obviously been looking at something similar, and it was um, abandoned cars in places, mm. and really interesting subject matter. But the pictures had all been HDR'd so much, and I just looked at oh, them, oh, no. I really why. Um, and I mean, the, the, the photographer's clearly very popular and people look, but it's funny, isn't it? The, mm. That presentation just lost everything because <laughs> because once you bring it HDR, and, and I apologise for slamming on HDR, which is very, but I've realised that what I hate about HDR and it, and it is, is that you you lose the play of light across the objects. I and mean, the whole the thing that speaks to us about pictures is the way that the light's interacting and bouncing off on shadows and you know and all of that stuff. And HDR takes all of that away. And mm-hmm. and it's a real shame um, yeah. because he'd obviously gone to some interesting places and seen some interesting yeah. stuff. And it works. It works for some people, right? They, and they absolutely love that. And mm. that, fair, fair enough. That's their thing, you know. Like n- n- neither of us are here to like knock that. No, you know? but, no, absolutely. But it's, it's, it's just like, personal. Like you said, Graham, you know, for, for for yourself and obviously for me, I I would you, I'd look at it and be like, oh such a shame just it's a shame <laughs> mm. because i like you like you um want to see the shadows and the highlights and and all of that and yeah it does feel like it often makes it flatter in in mm. some ways you know you you it's very difficult to convey mood or atmosphere through them yeah. i think they all look yeah. of a type um but and, and the nice thing is though at least with the these things being shot on digital in the future you know they've got all these stacked images they can go back and revisit it and probably produce that's completely true. different work that will look completely yeah. different and fabulous yeah. anyway that was, a, that was a tangent wasn't it um it, it was a bit but they are beautiful images uh damien and we're just super super happy and excited to yeah um to see where you're going with this and uh yeah i'm really looking forward to um seeing more of the stuff that you're producing. It's great. Yes. Do you want to take this next one from the delight that is Christian Strauff, Rach? I would be delighted. Yes. So Christian has written in to say, Dear Sonnies, thanks for the last episode. I really enjoyed, uh, sorry, I really enjoyed Andreas's enthusiasm and the interesting things that he had to say. Also, good move to enlist Claire. She is a very good addition to the team. The whole piece about experimental photography made me think. I realised that most of the things mentioned on the show were from from a creator's point of view. I wanted to quickly write in and say that the spectator's point of view shouldn't be underestimated. 
The only experimental thing I like to do in my personal work is dunking film in coffee to develop it. Uh, had you heard this about Christian, that he, that he loves caffeinol? <laughs> uh, did, really? I did not yeah. know that. He definitely didn't get in touch with me <laughs> as recently as last week to go, I'm doing some caffeinol. Do you want to come and do some caffeinol now? He's yeah. a real caffeinol pusher. <laughs> He is, he is. And it's real, but he gets some lovely stuff. He really does get some lovely stuff from it, which is great. Um, he also messaged me to tell me, to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. And he, he sent me a bribing present of a fabulous um, camera strap as well. So I'm absolutely thrilled to get to use that soon. Yay! Um, when, when we're actually allowed out and I'm able to take cameras out on straps again. <laughs> um, so... Sorry, Christian says, um, the only experimental thing I like to do in my personal work is dunking film in coffee to develop it. Apart from that, I really don't like experimenting. However, I really love looking at other people's experimental photographic work. For example, I've been following Kai Lewis's work for a while. And while I don't believe that using her photographic techniques myself would be something that I'd like to do, I still love looking at her amazing work. It really speaks to me. I also appreciated that no one trivialised traditional photography on this episode. I think that both experimental and traditional photography have their places, and I was glad that this was acknowledged in this episode. Um, what does this bit mean here? Oh, too um, long didn't read. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I applaud everyone who gets into experimental photography. Your work is no uh, sorry. Your work is not only appreciated by insiders, but also by people who wouldn't try your techniques themselves. You enrich the world of photography. Cheers from Christian. Isn't that lovely? That is lovely. Yeah, thank you very much, Christian. And yeah, I mean, I think that was the point we were trying to make is that experimental photography is not for everyone at all. Like doing it is not for everyone. Um, like but, HDR is not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? HDR is not for everyone. And, and with all of these techniques and things, it's important that they exist. It's important that people are doing these things because um, otherwise the art form stagnates. It, it just does. If you haven't got people pushing at the boundaries and trying different things, then it just goes around and, and like that's how do you invent how do you invent or or yeah grow or develop if if you're not trying things if you're not experimenting the whole I, I think the only way that anything ever um grows or changes is through experimentation and failure and trying again isn't it it is and but but like I, said, I, I don't think that I don't think I think as a movement as a whole I think that that is absolutely true I think I think on an yeah. individual basis I don't think that you know not everybody needs to be doing this stuff if if it just no. doesn't appeal to them but the fact that there are people out there doing it that you can look at and yeah. see that and it just I think it constantly keeps in your head that there are almost infinite possibilities about what you can do with it yeah. um because the like, options are there. The right? options are there. It's like yeah. the option we have today of using digital if we wish to, or mm. using analog if we wish to. You know, the options there, and it's it, it opens up that whole world, doesn't it? Yeah. So I was I was sort of talking more from a like a, a very much a general perspective, yeah. not a personal on a personal level. Because as Christian says, you know, it's not something for him that he would ever that he ever feels the inclination to try, and he wouldn't want to try it, but he can appreciate you know, the work that's gone into creating experimental photography and that it has a place, you know, within within photography as a as a whole, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah. I mean like personally, I what I love experimenting mm -hmm. but um I'm also well aware that the the part of ex 
my enjoyment from experimenting and mucking around with stuff is not um, often borne out in the results because I am quite half-arsed and and I get all of my fun doing the experimenting. And go well, that's a bit a bit of you know a best hot garbage, um, and I get better results when I do things in a more traditional way. Sure. But I but you know it keeps me fresh. I like going okay. We're well, going to muck around with this today. Okay, that didn't work, but it was fun yeah. and. Maybe I learned something from it that I can take back into my traditional photography, or maybe I didn't, mm. but it, it helps keep me fresh. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing, right? You know, I, to a certain extent, if you look at it on the on a base level, like people go, oh, you know, I use quite a lot of alternative, what you would class in air quotes, alternative photographic processes, like phenotypes and, you know, that, anything like that. Um, but so it, in one way, you could, say that that's experimental mm. right it's photography without a camera for goodness sake you know or mm. it's or it's pinhole it's doing stuff without a lens you know it's like um so at what point does it become experimental or not is is an interesting thing to consider as well and um it also means that i i wouldn't it doesn't it doesn't sort of like um i don't feel like i i'm gonna go out and, and create like beautiful soft focus like polaroid um uh, like nudes because it's not something that that i wish to do it's just not something that i've ever felt that that's the way i want to express myself you know mm. uh, whether that's obviously of myself or or to bring in a model and shoot with a model and do that kind of thing but i absolutely love looking at these incredible pieces of artwork and you're like how did somebody make this this is amazing and it's just beautiful to be able to to see that and appreciate that you know, yeah. you can you can appreciate that and enjoy that art without having to feel like you've got to be Picasso, right? <laughs> you can you can do all of that as as Christian said, as the audience, you know, as a spectator's point of view. You can still enjoy all of that without ever feeling like you have to be able to do that yourself or that you know, every, everybody has the option to choose which whichever speaks to them. Mm. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, that almost does it for emails this week although i just hang on a second i tried to mm. copy paste something in here well we'll come to it in a minute i'll come back to it um a few bits that we need to come to at the end of the show um mm -hmm. first we need to let everybody know that we have got i think this might be our penultimate uh, little audio snippet from john michael mendeza he's continuing Fantastic. his dark it's great i am i'm loving these and i'm loving the because it's only been a few weeks he's been getting into this, but the evolution that he's going through yeah. in terms of sort of early days of just kind of throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, and, and now getting into the more methodical um, yeah. thought out. Because that's ultimately, you know, we talk about experimental stuff like that, but as all good experiments actually need to be methodical, otherwise there's no point in them. And yeah. that's where he's at with his darkroom stuff now. Is like actually no, I need to start recording what I'm doing and doing and like figuring out my papers and figuring out these things and, and it's just it's lovely to see that evolution happening. I mean that's one of those things He's got a great voice too. And it's also he nice. has great voice, yeah. So thank you very much for that, John Michael. Really really enjoying <laughs> those. Um uh, so that will be at the end of the podcast, as they have been. Um also got a quick email here, which I didn't jot in because it's just, you know, um I will read it because uh um uh, it might make you uh, think. It's a very short one from uh, Kayan Kayar or Kayan Kayar. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I apologise for getting that wrong. It says, Hi, Rachel. Your Patreon idea is fantastic. I will support you and try the 35mm level out. Have a nice day <laughs> from Kayan. Uh, I just, that was a lovely email, so I thought I'd throw that in there um, because, as we mentioned a couple of times, you have your Patreon, don't you, Rach? 
<laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm shilling. <laughs> yeah. um, Kayan has very kindly um, joined some of the people who have supported me from the on the 35 mil um, uh, tier, which is brilliant because they they are, are asking for various um, videos, tutorials, that kind of workshops, that sort of side of things. So I'm really excited to be starting to produce those soon. And um, I've got in touch with everybody who's who supported me on that level and asked what they would like to see and uh, so I've had some really interesting kind of like responses back about what people are after um so there's going to be a whole host of stuff um uh, there's alternative processes there's um obviously including cyanotypes and things um Kayan got in touch and asked about um creating print roadmaps you know that kind of thing so I'm excited to to look at that at some point too and yeah just in general it's brilliant I can't wait to take on this journey it's going to be fab yeah, awesome. I love the fact uh, that um, Kayan, uh he lives in a place called Lensburg. So perfect. Know, he has right? to be into photography, Lensburg. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I want to give a shout out to this week, because we both kind of got involved with this, and because I have not listened to any podcast in the last two weeks because of being at home. Um, uh, I, I think this had has been kind of across the board, hasn't it? You know, we have definitely noticed that there's been a difference in how people are consuming it at the moment and that they're not in as as much i think because the commute's gone and um and so i think a lot of the time people were listening to um podcasts on commute or obviously you being out in the gardens and working on that that gave you the opportunity to be doing that to a greater extent didn't it and so i think that has definitely changed for people. yeah also um i've been having to listen to a lot of books about the end of the world most recently uh, gilbert <laughs> who has been doing our um our monthly photo diary uh, for us he recommended to me a book called seven eves um and i've been listening to that and that's about the moon uh, basically falling apart crashing and, and destroying the entire earth and um, that's been a good time as well <laughs> thanks gilbert so when I you appreciate say you've had to be listening to this listen who, who set you this task <laughs> I can't tell you. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, yes, you and I were both asked to take part in um, a Cheap Shot Photography podcast. Um, we were asked to... Well, actually, I've got an email here, Rach. Very conveniently, th this came in literally whilst we've been chatting. And this is from Tim at the Cheap Did Shot it? podcast. Yeah, That's amazing. Uh, so he writes in to say, Hi, Sonnies. Just thought I would drop you a quick email to thank you uh, to Graham and Rachel for taking part in the What's It To You project, uh, which is definitely meant to be said in a nice way, not What's It To You, um, that I ran <laughs> recently, asking various people what photography actually means to them. I had a terrific response, and all the replies are available to listen to slash watch on the Cheap Shot Photo Podcast on the YouTube channel, or YouTube or channel. YouTube. Sorry, not on. Yeah. Um, so yes, this was a thing that we both got uh, asked to. Tim got in touch would we just record a brief thing answering the question what does photography mean to us um so the fact that he approached loads of people to ask that i am absolutely intrigued to hear what yeah. the responses were because it made me stop and think which is always uh, an achievement in its own right um I have been listening to the Sunny 16 podcast for some time now, and although I shoot digital, I do have some <laughs> film cameras, and I am definitely mm. going to shoot a roll or two soon. Well, you better have, Tim. <laughs> I still have my first ever camera, albeit a little beaten up, a 1966 Miranda Sensor X. This was given to me by, by my uncle when I was around 15, and the camera is the same age as me. Oof, you old Tim. Although not quite as knackered. <laughs> he said that, not me. I haven't used it for over 30 years, but will do one of these days. 
There was talk recently of another possible cheap shot challenge on the horizon. With this in mind, and the fact I really want to get more into street photography, I have been looking for a cheap and more discreet rangefinder slash compact 35mm to use instead of my SLRs. I was delighted to see a Miranda 35AF pop up on eBay for a very reasonable price or start price of $199. Bargain. The description says being sold for spares. The camera works okay, but the flash fires all of the time even if switched off. I ended up winning the camera for $1.99 and I'm <laughs> sure I can either fix the flash problem or find a workaround. I guess if not, I could become the Bruce Gilden of Gillingham, <laughs> which is a <laughs> lovely sentence. Although I might have to work on the arrogance, not to mention the photographic skills. Thanks for a great podcast. Very best wishes from Tim. Uh, that's lovely, Tim. Um, and thank you very much for asking us to be part of the Cheap Shot podcast. As um, listeners may or may not know, the Cheap Shot podcast clearly is not a film. I mean, although obviously uh, outrageous use of our um, trademarks <laughs> Cheap Shot, but I will allow it. Um, <laughs> but the podcast is all based around photography on the cheap which is great um <laughs> as somebody who is a big fan of that i think that's a fantastic idea um and although it's based around although tim shoots digital uh, a lot of the stuff goes backwards and forwards a lot of techniques and ideas of being creative has nothing to do with film or um digital does it range yeah no exactly exactly and uh yeah it was it was just lovely to get the little message asking us to do that so as you said i'm really intrigued to to find out what other people have have said yeah um, mm. I will be listening in very soon. Yeah. I didn't actually realise that um, he sent the email. It must have... Oh, yeah, I can see. It literally came in like 30 minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> just as we started recording. <laughs> that's that's why we waited. That's why we left until the morning to do it, just so we could get that email in. Especially, I knew, I knew that that was going to happen. <laughs> um, so that does do it for emails this week. Um, Shall we move on to Coffee Stuff, Rach? I think that sounds like a great idea. Um, shall, shall I start? Yes, please do. All right, excellent. We have a new donor. <laughs> and our new donor is Ian Wallace, who is at Ian, I-A-N, underscore, on a hill road. There we go. It says He says, shoot film, be nice. I look forward to every new Sunny 16 podcast. Thank you, Sunnies. Yeah, and thank well, you. Well, it's lovely to have you here, Ian. Yeah. And I have I have had the distinct pleasure of meeting Ian not once but twice now, and he is a lovely gentleman. I met him first um, in what was it January at the photo walk? God, this year is uh, at the um, meetup that Aid organised in London. I met him on that rainy, rainy night mm. in London, uh, mm. and then he came to our Oxford photo walk as well in February. Oh. Um, and Ian is a delight, and his Instagram page is well worth a look. Lots of lovely photos there. <laughs> um, a recent one that really caught my eye was one he did for World pinhole day and mm -hmm. it's a pinhole of his wife gardening so you've got um because it's long exposure because it's pinhole so you kind of got the garden and then mm -hmm. you've just got this blurred form of his <laughs> wife clearly working hard whilst Ian is clearly not working hard taking pictures just to, but I'm, I'm busy taking photographs and it's a pinhole photo so to take the one exposure you just stand there for five minutes like doing nothing having a cup of tea just waiting whilst somebody else is doing all the work <laughs> that's great yeah um, so yeah go and check out yourself and thank you so much Ian that's very much appreciated um, oh hang on let me get the notes from the elves oh, are we ready for the rest of our donors okay. for this week right? Okay. yes let's do it <sighs> okay <laughs> starting with Bill Thu 
Okay, now, as we've been doing the last few weeks, our elves have been finding out what people have been doing with, you know, their lockdown free time and mm-hmm. keeping themselves safe. Uh, Bill Thu, he hasn't had any free time because he, he's a frontline health worker over in Australia. So <laughs> I actually the- sent him a message because, he, you know, he was obviously on um, uh, was it, uh, negative positives and... Um, he was talking, and so it was like, "Oh, what what questions have we got for for Bill?" So I was like, "How do you make time for for, for photography? Do you have any tips?" <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so as you say, he's a frontline health worker as well. So we're very very busy man at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so instead he's just feeding off the power of collapse and dreaming of a photography filled future when life has returned to normal. Um, but uh, we're all thinking of you, Bill. Thank you very much yeah. for everything that you're doing out there. Absolutely. Um, we have lovely Fraser Yule. Fraser Yule. So he's also been thinking of the health workers and the key workers. Uh, he's been busy making face marks um, out of old socks. Ah, and tanks. <laughs> and and tanks? Not making masks out of tanks. Making tanks in general in the back garden with Iona. Really? I saw that. The, yeah, yeah. Had you not seen? No, yeah. no. When you say it's tanks, amazing. you mean as in like a like, like army tank. Oh, fair enough. Out of socks? <laughs> out cardboard. Cardboard. <laughs> Cardboard. Okay, that seems more sensible. It could fire balled up socks, so there's that. Yes, there's that, absolutely. Um, Harry Thackeray. Uh, Harry Thackeray, uh, in a bid to you know, spend some time outside in the garden, has taken up worm charming, um, but he has yet to persuade one to go on a date with him. <laughs> Ed Worthington. Ed Worthington is missing his trips to Italy, so to try and fill that void, he's attempting to make a camera out of frozen pizzas. I don't think it's going very well. <laughs> um John Whitmore. John Whitmore has spent so long in the darkroom that his skin is now more light sensitive than many photographic papers. Uh, and there's the ever-present risk that when he does eventually go outside, he'll end up being a living lumen print of whatever T-shirt he's wearing. <laughs> uh, Ian T. Uh, Ian um, has been <laughs> drilling holes in cheddar cheese to make it feel more exotic. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Because you're not able to get cheese that's holy anyway. Exactly. (laughs) That's all part of lockdown. Or Brexit. (laughs) One of the two. Brexit lockdown. Uh, And Angela Solis. Uh, Angela, um, to to sort of stay off board, Angela is reading her favourite books backwards to see if there happens Mm -hmm. to be a twist at the beginning that she might have missed the first time around. Because we all know the twist is at the end, but what if there's one at the beginning and you just didn't catch it? I don't know. It's like (laughs) putting the cassette tape on or the record player on backwards, isn't it? And listening for... I don't know, like magical messages from the beyond. Yeah, I think that's probably what you're doing. Let us know if you find any, Angela. And thank you so much (laughs) um, to Angela and to everybody else. We super appreciate you. You are wonderful. Um, And uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. Um, And hopefully, hopefully soon, we won't be getting facts about what you're doing during your lockdown time because you'll be free probably soon who knows what's going on with we will all see. Of that. we will see indeed um speaking of john whitmore uh, yes this week we are being joined jo- jumping in the co-host chair this week uh, our substitute co-host for this week i hope he's got his um uh his sports jacket with leather leather elbows in to be a substitute 
Co-host, is that right? What, Not sports what, jacket. What are you, what are you Don't worry about? about it. I'm just thinking, what, what do substitute teachers wear? And then I, was, and then I think I may be referring back to what... Anyway, um, substitute teacher slash co-host this week is going to be the wonderful John Whitmore um, from At The Dark Shed. So he'll be joining us uh, for Thursday's show, which we'll be recording tonight. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, yes. Claire Marie Bailey will be most certainly coming back again in the future. Um, but we're giving mm-hmm. her a break this week. We're trying to, whilst AIDS away, have a few different people in so you get some different flavours. Um, different yes. <laughs> Different flavor, different scent, scent, scent. <laughs> different flavored ice creams. Right? Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so and yes. um, you also got chance to um, chat with Dan Rubin this week, didn't you, on the Analog TV? Oh, that yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yes, um, Dan Rubin. So yeah, the Analog TV. Um, really great guy not somebody who i was i mean anybody who listens to this long enough will know that i'm not familiar with anybody in the world no matter how well known they are um but dan was a really interesting chap to talk to and listen to um and just a really nice guy we chatted for quite a long time after the recording and um yeah well worth a a watch i think um to see what he's got to say and obviously just well worth checking out his work and his thoughts on stuff because i think he has a lot of it resonated a lot with me when i was watching that through yeah it was really it was a really enjoyable conversation and uh yeah a lot of it seemed quite familiar (laughs) with what he was talking about yeah. In, a, in a really good way, you know. Yeah, so that's on the Analog Wonderland Inst- uh, YouTube channel, not Instagram. Right. Well, it's everywhere. Um, so, yeah, that does it, doesn't it? So, um, yeah. in, in Are you going to be on this week? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> I think this week he's got... Oh, um, Rach, we talked about this photographer earlier because uh, you were talking about the video he'd done. Um, oh, Matt Day. Matt yes. Day. I think Matt that's Day right, is on this week. He was originally going to be on uh, this this week just gone wasn't he and dan rubin uh, stepped in i think or or they sort of like slightly switched it around because yeah. matt had something else happening so yeah. yes so i presume he'll be on this week then great yeah. well yeah. that's lovely isn't it, yeah, it so lots of lovely stuff for thursday obviously our show coming out hopefully in the morning um john and uh, <laughs> hopefully in the morning, i say hopefully because <laughs> it depends on when graham remembers and uh and then yeah you get to watch some analog tv in the evening yeah cool. and we can see if paul has as big a man crush on that day as he very <laughs> very clearly did have on, on dan rubin he loves dan rubin um, i imagine he will <laughs> yeah i imagine he probably will um so it just leaves us to uh, say don't forget go and check out rachel's patreon page um which you can find at patreon patreon.com or slash Little Vintage Photography. Little Vintage Photography is exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Go and check that out. Um, we will play you out, as always, with Remortgaging the Nest of Hairs by the wonderful band Schnauzer, uh, our good friend Duncan down at Silverpan Labs, who I know is very busy at the moment to keep supporting mm. your local and not-so-local online labs. Um, and until Thursday, there's nothing else is there, Rach, before I wind this up and get out of here? I, I think we're good for today. Well, yeah. phew. Until Thursday, then, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week. Have a lovely week. Hello, everybody. It's John Michael again for my next installment of Adventures in Darkroom Ignorance. Uh, As I mentioned last time, I tried a lot of different things in my second uh, experiments, but 
I wanted to be a bit more scientific the next time. So last week I had the day off and I decided to spend a day in the darkroom trying to really get to know my gear a bit better and test things out a bit more methodically rather than just throwing a negative in and seeing what happened. So I spent some time doing some exposure tests on different papers and just doing one second increments on the paper. So I went from 1 to 15 seconds of exposure at different heights, different f-stops, and just to try and get an idea of what kind of a gray card I could produce from that. I also did each test um, twice and developed one in Rodinal and one in the Ilford multigrade developer, just to kind of see the difference between those two chemicals, what it was uh, looking like. As I'm sure is no surprise, the Rodinol was not ideal. It uh, didn't get quite as deep a black as the Ilford chemicals would, and it uh, took a bit longer to develop as well. If you pulled it out at 1 minute 30 or uh, 1 minute, it wasn't fully developed, so you have to leave it in for about 2 minutes to get a full, even development. But it does produce some very nice, uh, subtle differences in the gray tones if you develop it fully. And, I don't know, maybe that could be useful for something down the line. But I think in general I'm going to stick with the Ilford chemicals for now and see how far I can get with that. The paper I used most last week was uh, a paper called Photon Foamy, uh, photographic paper. And it's I hadn't opened it before because it said only open in olive green light. Um, so I went ahead and opened it in total darkness, pulled the sheet out, and covered half of it then turned on my red light, let it sit for a while, and then developed it, and it was totally fine. Um, once I had opened the box, I also realized that there was a data sheet inside the box, and it also says that a red light is okay, so I felt pretty safe with that. It turns out to be a multigrade paper. It's from 1996, uh, stamped, made in Poland, and it was an unopened box, so I've got a hundred sheets of that to play with, and it's really nice. It's nice and smooth, a bit glossy. It is... 9 by 14 centimeters, so it's a little bit bigger than the other papers that I was working with, and I used that quite a bit. After doing quite a bit of boring testing, I wanted to print some pictures as well, so I picked uh, first a 35 millimeter uh, photograph and did that on the foamy paper, and then I tried a couple of medium format negatives on the foamy paper, and uh, if I got them up high enough, I was able to get a decent exposure time so that I could play and uh, dodge and burn a little bit on those. At the end of the session I wanted to try printing a portrait that I had shot on a 6x6 camera and so I pulled out a box of Orvo paper that was slightly larger. It's 105 by 148 centimeters. It has a stamp on it that says uh, January 1974 so I guess that's maybe the oldest paper I have here but I thought I'd give it a try anyways and uh, it worked out okay, but uh, I was, was getting the enlarger head pretty close to the paper again in order to get the whole face on the paper. I was again having the problem of uh, six second exposure time. I tried to do a little bit of uh, dodging to lighten up some areas in the face, but with a six second exposure it was just too quick, so I set that aside for the day and cleaned up. I have a set of Ilford multi-grade filters in the mail that I can hang under the lens of my enlarger 
So I'm looking forward to trying those out next time. And I'm also getting some bigger trays because I have a box of 24 by 30 centimeter paper and they don't fit in the trays that I have. So I've got some new trays coming, some filters coming, and next time I'm looking forward to trying out those things and seeing what kind of results I can produce with that. So that's it for this time, and until next time, everybody take care and have a good week.